This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. Fast and reasonably furious is actor and playwright Alan Committee's 26th solo stand-up comedy show. It is at Peter Turin's Monte Cassino Theatre from the 7th of February to the 3rd of March. He brings with him to the show, in his words, a flip chart, a new suit, lots of laughs and a bag of cement to fill the six potholes potholes outside his Airbnb. I'm delighted to have him as my guest now to tell me more. Alan, welcome and thanks so much for joining me. Always a pleasure. Lovely to see you uh, in this uh, beautiful studio. You've really gone all out here. This is (laughs) lovely. I'm in love with it and you. Alan, I can understand the cement. I can understand the laughs. Yes. I can almost understand the flip chart. But yes. why a new suit? Oh, always. You treat an audience, don't you? Uh, Mark Banks years ago told me you must always be better dressed than your audience. But actually, that's not entirely true because, well, the, the idea is true, but the new suit isn't. Because in this show, in an attempt to recreate some of the Fast and Furious Vin Diesel look, I'm wearing, wait for it, a black t-shirt almost like a tank toppy thing and i don't have the body for it so part of that is well a little bit of humor right from the start as i walk out in front of the crowds we are not going to go any form of body shaming there's no <laughs> such thing as the right body to wear you a t-shirt okay all the right okay. things and you i can, love you for it you can wear whatever you like and whatever you feel good you in, say as that can now. anybody i'll wait for you in the audience and let's see your response <gasps> i will be sitting far at the back where you can't reach me okay i know where you are <laughs> Okay, so let's just take a step back. Yeah. 26th. Yeah. Okay, tell me about stand-up comedy. Well, um, I was very lucky enough when I left drama school, where I studied, obviously, to be an actor, um, my forte and my interest and my passion was always around comedy texts and comedy performance. Stand-up I had enjoyed over the years and watched growing up. Uh, I had first been inspired many, many years ago when I was growing up watching Boswell Wilkie Circus coming through town and seeing the clowns. So all of that was in my soul, if you will. But stand-up wasn't uh, an immediate ambition. And I think starting early on in my career, I realized I'd have to do one-man shows to have a better shot at things in terms of... I'm talking theater shows, in terms of costs and finances and making it work. And my very first ever show was a one-man Richard III, in which I played all 36 characters. (laughs) And what was fascinating... Uh, Was that supposed to be comedy? (laughs) No, it was meant to be comedy. So I played an actor who had to play all of these characters. And what I realized in that... uh, This is like one of those origin stories, you know, you get with the superhero films. What I realized was that in my first two shows at Grahamstown Festival, the moments where I had to improvise, for example, people arrived late and had to walk across my stage to access the seats, or my set at one in the second show actually collapsed. I had a polystyrene set. It was many years ago, Sharice. And it collapsed, and I had to kind of make stuff up as I was fixing the set. And I realized that those moments, as much as the audience enjoyed the, enjoyed the scripted parts, the rehearsed bits, It was the live interaction, the unique moments that occurred between me and that audience that they seemed to gravitate, and we we got a very particular resonant kind of laugh. And that's, I guess, where it started to... I started thinking, well, even in theatre shows, I can have an interaction with an audience, and slowly I started changing what were review shows or scripted shows into a far more kind of stand-up orientated feel. Now, I should... A lot of people assume when they watch stand-up... Because that's the art of good stand-up, I believe, is that it's made up in the moment, is that it's being delivered for the first time. And, of course, that's the task. But really, a lot of thought and planning and careful consideration goes into a good stand-up set. And so 
in a way it is scripted theater but the task is to make it feel like and then off the back of that I have moments where I can then like a jazz musician might with sheet music have music but then play and riff that's my task then as a comedian is to play off the energy or the retorts or the activity of an audience on any one night so I, I, I hear your point that everything in stand-up comedy is rehearsed yeah. and practiced yeah however is it different because when you as an actor are performing and yeah. you have a sh- uh, an audience yeah um, you can get audience engagement sure but comedy is not easy to predict no and you, you're absolutely right it is subtly and subtly and actually quite vastly different in, in 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 various ways I suppose with a scripted comedy for example you would have an idea of when the big laughs would come or when the smaller laughs would come, when you're setting stuff up and when you're expecting a big punchline response. And on any one night, the audience will either give you that or a variation on that. Stand-up, I love this idea. Someone shared this with me. They said stand-up is quite an aggressive act because you're going out in front of a group of three, 400 strangers and saying, I'm going to make you laugh. Yes. A comedy play is just saying, well, come and watch this and you might find it funny. Yes. I'm actually coming out and, quite a, and saying, I'm, and that's why we use quite aggressive terms. I, you know, I slayed the audience. I died tonight. Uh, I killed the, the audience killed me. I, so it's, a, it's quite an aggressive act. And it's a, it's a strange, if you pull back and look at it from the outside, it's a ridiculous concept, actually, to go on stage and try and say things and, and ask an audience to laugh at it. But it's the purest form of interaction, I believe, between a live performer and an audience. It's not like a musician where you've got an instrument or music. It's not like a play where you have text and lighting and costume. It's you and them, and you're trying to say something that's going to conjure a mental or a strong image in their mind that makes them have a physiological response that is hopefully a good one where they, you know, they laugh. And humor is tricky because... And you can correct me, and I may very well be wrong, but what one person may find funny may be offensive to somebody else or not really like ha-ha. Well, so on the the less extreme version of that is that, of course, what one person finds funny, another doesn't. Uh, When it comes to being insulted and offended, that's that's a slightly trickier area, and I always kind of turn to the guys who work in shock comedy or who work in far more edgy comedy and my stuff you've seen my stuff it's pretty family orientated some of that's deliberate some of it is just who i am as a person that's in my comedy dna but my feeling is i'd much rather play to your grandmother you and your children uh, rather than only you on your own secretly sneaking in to watch me because you're so scared that no, people know that you support me. But those shock comics, and they're brilliant, by the way, the good ones, and the guys who really push the envelope, they will tell you that offense is really in the eye of the receiver. Yeah. And and who can plan and predict that? I can do anything. Even in my safe comedy, I can say something I don't know what has occurred in your life? I can't assume no, every absolutely. single person's absolutely. individual circumstances. What I can do is do my due diligence, which yeah. is as a comedian to interrogate my material and make sure I'm on the right side of, of what that joke should mean. Now, it might be that I am racist or it might be that I am xenophobic or it might be that I am sexist and that I don't recognize that. But if I would like to think that I'm not those things and I've interrogated the material... If someone says to me, I found that offensive, as long as I'm able to justify to myself, this is why I did it and this is why I I think the joke works, 
I don't really, it doesn't really matter to me how you receive it then in the end, if that makes sense. Alan, I think you make a good point. Yeah. In terms of funny, not funny versus yeah. funny and offensive. Yes, exactly. Uh, even funny, not funny is so that's actually the tricky one. more. Yes. Yes. Yes, that's the tricky one because, of course, comic sensibilities, some people love physical humor, slapstick humor. I, I always get slightly frustrated when someone says to me, oh, slapstick humor is so silly. And then I kind of remind them of the brilliance of Charlie Chaplin and Buster yeah. Keaton who were doing the original slapstick. And of course, slapstick comes from the term it was an actual slapstick that they used to hit in the wings to create the sound effect of being hit over the head or you know any physical violence. And, and sometimes slapstick is actually what we need. It's, uh, it's actually really funny. 100%. Sometimes it's, well, slapstick is, is more funny than the clever funny. Well, think about the things that make us laugh when we're watching YouTube videos or TikTok videos, you know, people falling into things. Yes. or it's the, it's the physical misfortune of people that make us, because deep down we are primitive humans yes. and we love to laugh at the misfortune of others. And not only that, but like I often relate. Yes. Actually, it's not I'm laughing at you yeah. in a way. Oh, you, you recognize your own fallibility yes, 100 Yes, that for me, I'm not laughing oh, because no, you one. fell. I'm laughing because that actually is me. Right. And, you know, I, I can identify and I, actually, I feel so silly right. so much of the time so, when I'm saying the wrong thing. Let's turn to one of the great Jewish comic uh, comics of all time, Mel Brooks. Yes. He says, and I love this idea, he says, comedy needs a bit of distance so there's nothing funnier than watching a man in front of you walk into a manhole and just fall and disappear but a paper cut yes. is the most tragic and painful thing in the world because it happens to you it might be small but it is incredibly painful when you see something from a distance and you're you can laugh because you can recognize your own fallibility or stupidity. Yes. I might do that yes. or I've done that. Yes, yes. I um, feel better about myself knowing that somebody it's else not, And is it's not me. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Well, even if it is me, I feel better about it. Correct. So humor is, I mean, I love, it's the, it's the thing that brings me back to these stand-up shows and to my art and craft because every day is a puzzle that needs a little working out. I've just finished seven weeks in Cape Town with this show. I do the festive season there every year, and so that's 40-odd performances. Sure. We had a marvelous time there. I now come to Joburg for 30-odd performances, and it's a slightly different show because I have to tweak some of the material. Yes, we, we're not Cape Townian. Correct. And, and, I, and I know Joburg well enough to know some of those subtle changes are, can make a big difference in the quality of the laugh. And even the structure of the show is now not a two-half show, it's a 90-minute show. So last night was our first performance, and the little puzzle pieces that I go oh I worked that out but this one still needs a bit of tweaking for tonight and that's what brings every night besides the unique quality of that interaction with that audience on that night there's also the puzzle making and how can I make that funny how many words can I lose there and still get the same laugh um, how can I do this differently what's a better what's a all of those little things are exciting to me the fact that this is your 26th yeah. solo shows you have actually come a long way so, yeah what have you learned I've learned that my comic sensibility is now well honed. So when I'm writing material, I, whereas maybe 15, 20 years ago, I would only know for 30% certainty that this might work in front of a crowd. Now I could probably say for 75, 80%, this should work. This one I'm not sure about. I'll try. This I'm taking a big risk on. But your, your own sense of what you and your audience that you've built around you and who've supported you over the years, that is now quite solidified. And, and then the other things are, thing, you know, you, you learn how to – there are very few audiences now that will surprise me in terms of some nights they're, they're with you quicker than others. Some nights they are not hard there for work. hard work. 
But I, whereas 10 years ago that might shake me and I go, oh, I'm panicking, I just breathe and I go, okay, so this is going to be one of those shows. <laughs> I go back to one of the library, okay, so I've got a couple of things that I can try. They don't always work. Some shows are just hard work and you get through them because you're surprised afterwards when you talk to people in the foyer that, in fact, they enjoyed it. They didn't feel it was hard work. I'm only comparing it to the 20 other shows I've done of that, you know, and I have a kind of bar. What, so, what makes one work and one struggle? Uh, so many ridiculous things the temperature in the room the you know we've had sona last night i mean that was a big laugh in itself yeah stage four load shedding today yeah. people are feeling a little bit down today that's you can feel it out there on the street uh, so that will impact an audience for a night we win a world cup we have a beautiful lift we the proteas arrive back and we haven't lost we go into a slump um so many things <laughs> It's weird. I, mean, I sometimes will go, that was a strange audience. And then I find out from people afterwards, oh, no, there was a couple who came in and they were quite loud in the foyer shouting at each other. And everybody else. And then suddenly it builds. A, likewise, or, or on the other side of that, is if someone has a great, bubbly, mad, infectious laugh, it creates people around them. They start laughing at the person laughing. And then before you know it, the crowd is in a huge mood. So there's a million things that can impact and, and it's what makes it so complicated because sometimes you don't know why something worked so well or not so well. Yeah. I, I learned a lot and I didn't realize at the time what I was learning from being a high school teacher and working with small crowds, classes from, you know, 18 to 35 in size. And you'd have to keep their attention for an hour. You'd have to know your material well enough that they couldn't get ahead of you as it were all of those things were actually great learning experiences as a stand-up okay you spoke about the interaction the, the, mm. pre, the rehearsed and written yeah or spoken and the sponta spontaneity yeah. in the audience which is a lot more risky yes because can it backfire absolutely and that's uh, to come back to a previous question that's one of the things I've got much better at over the years and I would hope I have with all the time on stage I mean really the only way you get better is time on stage but the only way you can get time on stage is to be good enough to stay on stage if that makes sense so I would say now again there's very little occasionally someone will say something that I go oh I've never heard that before I've never uh, I don't have an, an immediate answer for that but you build a library a catalogue of jokes and or responses to certain things so when people when you ask people what they do for a living or where they live or what school they went to those kind of standard questions will generally be in a in a in a ring fenced area and you can predict some of them every now and then when you get a surprise i now delight in those surprises because i want to be forced back in a position of going work brain think of something now but the good news is and this is where my task is to make the audience feel comfortable if, it, if I can't think of anything, I've got a whole lot of backup things that can get me out of that moment still with a laugh. But it's exciting. Whereas 15 years ago, I would ask one question. If it didn't get the rightish kind of answer, I would withdraw and move on. I now have the confidence and the pleasure of just staying there and going, okay, not yet. Tell me something else. Tell me something else. Tell me something else. Because I know at some point something's going to trigger something that will make me go down a rabbit hole. When you, obviously, you're, you're a spotlighter. The audience is in darkness. Yes. yes. Do you have a sense of who you're going to pick on? Uh, no. So it's random. It's random. That I, makes me nervous. No, it mustn't make me nervous. I'll tell you what <laughs> else I thought is you could see my, no, like, don't even <laughs> think about it. Oh, no, no. Listen, I, uh, when, <laughs> as I start talking to an audience, certainly in my theater shows, my operators are brilliant at, and they, they've worked with me for many years now, they know when to bring house lights up. So it's not like I don't see you. Okay. But, but there's no reason, you know, people say, well, 
what must we do so you don't pick on us? Yeah. Nothing. I'm not there to pick on you to make you feel awful. So uh, holding a, a, a cross, cross is, is like, like no, throwing like, garlic no. at me. <laughs> no, uh, nothing. Um, you know, I say to people, if you don't look at me, I'll probably pick on you. If you do look at me, I'll pick on you. If you look at me and then look away, I'll pick. It's not about picking on you. It's about an interaction that's going to give me some comedy. So the best thing you can do, I think, is just listen to me and talk to me because then. I'll have something and move on. It's when but people some people are more like of outgoing. You get the the introverts that want yes. to be left alone. They sure. don't want to tell you what they so do. So I will never. <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right. And I will never. And this is a very strong commitment from me to myself. Never mind to the audience. Is I will never put someone. If I can see that someone is absolutely not interested and they don't make eye contact, or they, I will immediately go. Sorry, not you. I'm talking to, and I'll move this shift the attention. But some people might love it. But this is the other thing that's interesting is because you learn... I don't know who, but... You, <laughs> you learn how to read... Uh, you do learn how to read uh, crowds a little bit. So, for example, if I see someone going, no, no, I don't want to, but their body language is saying, no, it's okay. Because never forget, the people who come to watch me in a theater show have already made a commitment. They've paid money. They've got a babysitter. They've left their home. So they've bought into the experience yes, anyway. Whereas if I'm at a corporate and yes. I then talk to people and yes. they don't know who I am yes. and they're in a corporate function, there I've got to be very careful because often they're going, I haven't bought into this contract. But by coming to my shows, already you're kind of going, I mean, you know, I am here, so I know more or less what yes. to expect. Yes. And, and so and I, I work part within of it. that. So exactly. you're also saying to people, relax, get over yourself. And I will never, I prom- I will never make people feel like an idiot. I talk first and foremost disparagingly uh, about myself because that helps Ellen I can't actually believe I'm, time is over I, we haven't fun. even got into the movie Fast Furious all the rest so I'm going to give you one minute just to, yes. to sell your show brilliant so we're on till uh, March the 3rd it's four weeks uh, we've got a special Valentine special on uh, uh, Wednesday but basically Fast and Reasonably Furious is a look at all the foibles and madness of this country through the lens of the Fast and Furious movies but if you don't know those movies you don't need to because basically I'm saying life is a bit fast and furious and I talk about reasonable fury which is most white middle middle class people we can't even get properly angry we have to be reasonably furious and then put it down in the comments and say if that's okay I'd like to express my displeasure I'm looking forward to singing your tank top Alan <laughs> me too thank you very much that was Alan Committee and as he was saying he is on in fast and reasonably furious at the Peter Turin Montes Casino Theatre and you can book your tickets at Compete tickets, at whip tickets, and also at through the theatre. Thank you so much for joining me.